Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about why you act irrationally when your freedom is threatened, why you spend more with your credit card than you do when you use cash, and how statisticians calculate the probability of dying from something with help from Ken Kolosh from the National Safety Council. We originally ran these stories on July 29th, 2018, and they're so good we remastered them just for you. And as always, stick around for a brand new recap segment at the end of today's episode so you can hear our fresh takes on all of today's stories. But right now, let's satisfy some curiosity. Ashley, do you ever have the instinct to do the opposite of what you're told to do? Yes, a lot. Yeah. I'm extremely, extremely guilty of this. I'm, I can get really stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm glad we've never butted heads. <laughs> Well, today we wrote about a psychological quirk that I have not seen super widely discussed. It's a name for when humans act out, sometimes irrationally, when they think their freedom is under threat. We do it to reestablish our sense that we're free, and psychologists call this reactance. I am so glad there's a term for this. Yeah. If someone feels like you're bossing them around, then it'll trigger reactance, and they're not likely to see your perspective. In fact, people often do the opposite of what a bossy person says to do. In one study, for example, a judge warned a mock jury to disregard certain evidence that was inadmissible, but the judge didn't explain why. That jury used that evidence to make their final decision despite what the judge had told them to do. But you don't have to be in a courtroom to feel this. A lot of things we think of as bad news can be seen as a loss of freedom. Like when you're injured or sick, that takes away your physical freedom. When you get dumped, that means you lose the freedom to see your partner and your freedom to be the one who does the breaking up. And getting fired is also a double whammy. Now, reactance doesn't mean humans inherently dislike rules and constraints. We do like limits. In fact, too many choices can make us unhappy. Limited freedom doesn't trigger reactance. It's triggered when you feel like the freedoms you already have are slipping away. Now, if you have to give bad news to somebody, You can get around triggering reactants by offering a built-in choice. If you're breaking up, for example, then say, you decide who gets to keep the blender we got for Christmas, and offer an immediate, constructive activity that'll soak up some adrenaline. Like if you're someone's boss, you could say, we have to cut your pay, and can you please walk down to HR to get some paperwork? Granting the illusion of freedom and giving someone an active distraction can help keep lashing out to a minimum. Cody, how often do you carry cash? Basically never. Yeah, me too. And I always want to. Yeah. I always try to tip in cash specifically just because it's just more convenient for the servers. It is. Well, we all might want to start carrying cash because research has shown that you actually spend more when you're carrying around your credit card. Here's the scoop. A 2001 study out of MIT found that bidders in an auction were willing to pay an average of 83% more when paying with a credit card than they were when paying in cash. In some cases, they were willing to pay more than twice as much. But why? A 2011 study published in the Journal of Consumer Research found that paying with a credit card actually changes how you see products. Credit cards make you focus on a product's benefits, while cash makes you focus on its cost. Studies show that even when there's just a credit card logo on a check tray, you end up leaving higher tips, even if you're paying in cash. So they have a pretty major psychological effect. Part of this is because when you pay with cash, you're handing over something physical. But when you swipe a card, the amount is just a number, and you don't even have to deal with really paying it until the end of the month. 
Now, we can't all always carry cash, but there are ways to help curb overspending. Try changing how you think. You can try thinking about money in terms of hours of your life and treating responsible spending like a daily habit rather than a long-term goal. Check in on your emotions before spending using the HALT method, as in H-A-L-T, to make sure you're not doing it because you're hungry, anxious, angry, lonely, or tired. We hope that helps. Let's answer a listener question. Our awesome listener Nick emailed us and asked, how do people calculate the probability of someone dying on, say, a car versus a plane? Is it simply number of deaths over number of rides or time spent in the vehicle? Great question, Nick. Here's our answer from Ken Kolash, manager of statistics with the National Safety Council. There's a couple different ways to do it, and all the different ways that we use to estimate your risk of injury or death or your odds of dying are on our website, injuryfacts.nsc.org. One of the more popular ways is our odds of dying calculation, which is a really simple calculation, and it's one of the tools the National Safety Council uses to help people better understand and compare the risks that we all face on, on a daily basis. The data comes from a couple different sources. We first look at the number of deaths in any given year, and that data is from the Centers for Disease Control, and they actually count up all the death certificates every year. And we look at the the number of deaths by a particular cause, like a car crash or a plane crash or even a dog bite, issues like that. Then we also take data from the Census Bureau on population and life expectancy, and we bring all that data together to calculate the odds of dying. So in order to calculate the one-year odds of dying, it's the number of deaths divided by the U.S. population. And to calculate lifetime odds, it's the one-year odds divided by your life expectancy. And currently, the average life expectancy is 78.6 years. But that's a really simple calculation and cannot take into account your exposure to those risks. Examples of this would be um, risk of dying in a uh, motorcycle crash. Obviously, your personal risk of dying in a motorcycle crash is dependent on you using a motorcycle. So for other categories of risk, like transportation, we're able to better quantify the level of exposure. We know how many miles are being traveled, and also we know average occupancy of different vehicle types. So based on that, we can calculate the number of passenger miles traveled in any given year and then use that as the, the exposure measure to more accurately compare different modes of transportation. In other risk categories, calculating the exposure measure is really difficult, like if we take earthquakes. Although we know that depending on where you live in the country, you have differing risks associated with earthquakes, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to accurately differentiate um, your exposure level regarding earthquakes. So when there's a general risk like earthquakes or dog bites or lightning strikes, we assume everyone more or less has the same level of risk or exposure. While in other uh, categories or lives like transportation, we're able to take a more sort of a nuanced approach and really look at different levels of exposure. Ken added, these odds are important because the National Safety Council finds that people worry about the wrong things. For example, he was asked to calculate the odds of dying from a shark attack, but they couldn't do it because nobody in the U.S. has died from a shark attack in the last two years. 
People worry about dying from something like a shark attack or a plane crash, but your actual odds of dying from either of those things are much lower than your odds of dying in a car crash. So stop worrying about dying from a shark attack when you're on vacation and start buckling your seatbelt in case of an accident. Hey, we're back in 2021. It's the future. So let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. Starting with the fact that there's a term for that thing where humans act out when they feel their freedom is under threat. It's called reactance, and it makes people act irrationally to reestablish the sense that they're free. Reactance isn't triggered by normal limits. Instead, it happens when you feel the freedoms that you do have are slipping away. And one way to counteract this in others is by giving them some freedom in another way, like by offering them a choice. Like a restaurant could give you the option of providing proof of vaccination or a recent negative result from a COVID test, right? That's an option. Yeah, it's a great example. And I think the last two years is a great example of reactance. It is. It is. I mean, our freedoms have literally been taken away for, I would say, good reasons, because we're protecting each other from getting a deadly disease. But yeah, that's that's really hard to deal with. And it is making some people react very irrationally, you know, and you can understand why it's reactance. It's human psychology. Yeah. And I don't think it's irrational for people to get upset about losing the freedom, but I think that some of the ways that people are responding specifically, some of the actions they're taking are irrational. Definitely. Like if you're mad that someone's telling you you should get a vaccine and then you're and you want to protest that by not getting a vaccine, I mean that's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Like like you not taking the vaccine because you're mad someone wants you to doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts you because then you're in danger, right? So yeah. Yeah. We should also talk about how hilarious it was that I was like, I'm glad we've never butted heads, which is how you can tell the story is at least a few years old now. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I think we had butted heads by that point anyway, and you were just being nice because I, I felt it in the tone of voice that we were that we took during that time where I was like, yes, I can be very stubborn. And you're like, yeah, and I could tell that there was like, you knew you already knew I wasn't telling you anything you didn't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, we also learned that according to research, you spend more money when you're carrying around a credit card. The credit card makes you focus on a product's benefits, while cash makes you focus on its cost. Cash is also physical, while credit cards deal in abstract numbers. If you're in a situation where you can't carry cash, then try to think of numbers as hours of your life, like we talked about in an episode earlier this fall. Or use the HALT method before you buy something. Make sure you're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Yeah, I said hungry, anxious, lonely, or tired. And when I heard that, I was like, no! Ah! I mean, sure, anxious probably does it too, but... Yes, the halt method A is angry, not anxious. And we learned that you can find your estimated odds of dying on the National Safety Council's website. And in case you missed that URL, it's injuryfacts.nsc.org. And of course, you can find a link in today's show notes. Yep. According to Ken Kolosh, some odds are calculated using simple arithmetic. First, they take data from the number of deaths in a year from the CDC and break it down by causes. Then they take data from the Census Bureau on population and life expectancy. Some risks are a little more tricky to calculate, like motorcycle accidents or earthquakes or other things that not everyone is exposed to. But knowing your real risks can help you know what you should worry about and what you shouldn't. And if you go to the odds of dying calculator right now, there's a huge infographic about COVID-19, and it reads, quote, too early to know for sure, unquote, regarding your odds of dying from it. 
And that's because the lifetime odds of death on that page are from 2019, and there were no recorded deaths from COVID in 2019. But the NSC does have a COVID-19 case page with some helpful information, including changes in various causes of death during the pandemic, especially falls, overdoses, and car crashes. And that page reads that based on the data they do have, quote, it is likely that when final mortality data is released for 2020, COVID-19 will be the third leading cause of death in the United States behind heart disease and cancer, unquote. Jury's still out on it where those numbers will land, but I think it's a very helpful page to understand the context of certain risks that you face. Yeah. Today's writers were Mae Rice and Annie Hartman. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. You have to listen to this podcast tomorrow. Just kidding. You can do whatever you want. You can listen to all of them this weekend. You can stop listening, come back in a week or two. It's up to you. You have the freedom, but the greatest freedom is your ability to join us again tomorrow for a brand new episode of Curiosity Daily to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.